morning, Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. We're excited, or we sh- I should say we're in an, an exciting series through the book of First John entitled, I don't know if you remember the title, but here it is. It's On the Grow and In the Know, subtitle, Growing Deep in Christ. And we're going to go deep today, deep into our hearts. Asking this question, what is it that we really want? What is it that we're going hard after in this life on planet Earth? The question we all need to ask is this one. What is life for me? Here, we come to 1 John 2.17, and here's what it says. The scriptures, the word of God, the eternal word of God. On the grow and in the know, going going deep in Christ. Chapter 2, verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Isn't that an incredible verse? I'm going to keep it up on the screen for a while because I want you just to think about it, maybe memorize it and meditate on it. What is the will of God for me, for you? I may not know everything about God's will for my life or yours, but one thing I know for sure, it's this, that I would make loving God the number one priority and passion in my life and knowing God. That's it. That's the number one passion For all of our lives as Christians, as followers of Christ, we all have the same mission. We all have the same passion. This should be passion what? Number two. No. Passion number one for everyone. Jesus said in response to a question that was asked to him, what is the greatest commandment? You remember what he said? Love the Lord your God with what? all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. Love God. The Apostle Paul said what? I want to know Christ. I consider everything in comparison to Jesus Christ, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have what? I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. So Paul said, and according to the world, he had gained so many things. What did he say? In comparison to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, I count them nothing. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Philippians 3, 8. The world, it's right here in the word. Its desires pass away. Isn't it good just to be able to just go through the scripture verse by verse, and then this is it. This is where we come next. It's no agenda. Got no agenda. The only agenda I have is to open up the word and say, okay, this is where we're we're going next. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. 
What does it mean that the desires of the world are passing away? It means they're temporal. They don't last very long in comparison to eternity. How long is forever? You're going, what's the rope for? I mean, this rope is brand new. I didn't even take it out of the package because I knew if I unravel this and try to, you know, like practice the illustration beforehand, I'm never going to get it back like this, right? I think in pictures, word pictures. That's how it kind of works for me. And so I think, well, what's forever look like? Well, I got, a, I got an illustration. I want you to envision this rope. It's a rather long rope. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to tie it to the end of my pulpit, okay? I got, a, I got an idea here. I want you to, to consider or envision eternity like this rope. I'm just going to just take it right to the end of the sanctuary. Okay? Look at that verse. Envision this, this rope as eternity, all right? I'm going to take it right out to the front. It's a long rope. I don't want to get it tangled up here. See, look at what happened, Tom. You should be helping me out here. Eternity's like a long rope. You can see it. We're going right out the front door. That's what I'm doing. Dan, help me here, will you? Open up that door for me. Okay, take that rope all the way out, all right? Right to the end of that door, all the way out there, all right? How long is forever? Picture this, this rope. I want you to see this rope. Circle it around the earth ten times. And then take that rope and envision it going around the moon a hundred times. And then that rope extends to the farthest star, not in the Milky Way. Okay, can you picture this? You're going, wow, you do think in pictures. That's not even possible. It's not possible. I know it's not possible, all right? It's an illustration. There's not enough raw material to do this. But you go around the earth 10 times. Go around the moon 100 times. You go to the farthest star, not in the Milky Way, but in all of the universe, trillion times trillion light years away. And then when you come to the end, you are just beginning. Eternity. How far is, how long is, is our time on earth? 
So you, you picture that, how far that is? And then, how long is eternity? Can you see this? It's about this long. Okay, I'll put, if you live to be 90 like my mom, <laughs> her birthday would have been last Saturday, 91. I missed her on the second row. But let's say you live to be not, uh, okay, let's say you go 100. 90's old. But 100 is really old, okay? So let's go. Let's go 100. That's still not a lot of duct tape, is it? Or a lot of time. This is the temporal right here. How long is our life on earth? It's like the, that piece of black tape, duct tape. It represents our lives on earth. So what's the lesson? The lesson is we should live not for the duct tape, right? But for the rope. This is where I do life, right? I live my life right here on the duct tape. And what I do on, on the duct tape here, what I do here makes a difference for all eternity. It does. But it's not easy to see beyond the duct tape, is it? We have three enemies that try to keep us bound to the temporal and mired in it. The flesh, the devil. We looked at that last week. And how do we defeat the devil? Young men, John says, you have overcome the enemy. How? By the, by the word of God living in you. That's the second enemy. The third enemy is the world. John writes a lot about this enemy in this letter. In chapter 4, verse 3, he says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already where? In the world. In chapter 5, verse 19, he writes, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The world system is set against the heart and things of God. The world system is opposed and will try to steal away our heart's affection to God. We don't live in a very nice place, right? We know that already. It's a dark place, this world. The word says that we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We're to be different. Our value system is different. What we care about, what we give ourselves to is different. In the preceding verses, what does John say? Do not love the world 
We just read verse 17, right? The world and its desires pass away. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. That's the danger of living in the world and then adopting the world's value system. It's bad enough that we do that. But when that happens, guess what happens? The love that we have for God gets replaced. And that's a dangerous place to be. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, listen, does not come from the Father, but the world, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives for how long? Forever. It's a stern warning. It's a command. Loving the world or the things of the world is dangerous because it squeezes out love for the Father. That's how serious this is. And how much I love God on the duct tape of life matters for how long? Halfway down this hallway? No, forever. So what is the world that he says don't love? What, what is it? I'm a little confused. On one hand, God says what? For God so what? Loved the world. I mean, he loved the world. He loves the world. That he gave his one and only begotten son. He loved the world so much that he gave. The father gave that which was the most precious to him that he loved the most. He said, son, would you be willing to go? That's how much he loves human beings, the people of the world. He created the world. And what did God say after he created the world? He said, it is good. So when John writes, do not love the world, he's not saying Don't love the people of the world. The earth is no good. It's going to burn up anyway. No, he created the earth. So what does it mean? Well, he uses the the word, the world. In the Greek, it's cosmos. One of the other meanings is the world as it relates to its values. The earthly system of values, beliefs, and behaviors that are what? In opposition to God and his purposes. And how the world hates Jesus. Jesus said, you know, the world's going to hate you. That's what he said. Because it hated me first. Even though I love the world, gave my life for all the, the people of the world. There's darkness and evil. The spirit of Antichrist has waging war against the people of God. 
followers of Jesus. So according to verse 16, there are three worldly desires that are in opposition to the things of God that are characteristic of a worldly way of life. You see it right there. It's the lust of the eyes, number one. The lust, or the lust of the flesh. Two, the lust of the eyes. And what? The pride of life. You could characterize it simply in these three words. The lust of the flesh is to feel. The lust of the eyes is to have. Pride of life is to do. The first desire is to feel. John describes it, the lust of the flesh. Wow, that's an interesting word, isn't it? We've heard it. Use lust. It's like, wow, that's like, that even sounds sinful. Lust. It applies to all three worldly desires. In the Greek language, it's a compound word. We just see lust, but it's, it's a compound word. It's the normal word for desire, and it puts a prefix on it that intent, intensifies Desire. Literally, it could be translated hyper desire. It's like desire on steroids. Now, that's my brain once again. I asked Pastor Joel, what do you think? He goes, wow, okay, I like that one. Not that he likes it, but that it communicates. I think I'm in trouble now. <laughs> That's what it means. Desire on steroids. Lust begins with a healthy desire, but it takes it to an unhealthy extreme. Desires that give way to lust are poisonous. Or we could say it this way. It's easier to remember. Desires on steroids are dangerous. You take one thing home with you today. One thing that I want you to remember, it's this. Desire's gone crazy on steroids are dangerous because they steal your affection for God. They'll, they'll squeeze out the love of God. You won't even know what's going on. It's like all of a sudden your heart's just like, you, you, you come and you, you can't enter into the worship. And it's not just because of the quality of the music. And it's not because it's, it's not the songs that I like. It's because the world's crept into my heart. And what's it doing? It's taken away my love for Jesus. I wonder what happened. I don't desire getting in the Word. I'm pulling away from fellowship with my Christian family, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Prayer. I don't even know what that is. It's 
It's because I think we, we let the world in. We're bombarded by the desires of this earth. Desire is not a bad word. Most desires are God-given, right? I like to eat. I'm going to go home, watch the Vikings at 3 o'clock, and I'll probably drink a Coke and have chips and have a bowl of ice cream sometime. Because what? Because I like to taste good food. And I like to watch good football with my eyes. Now, that probably isn't going to happen. But there's nothing wrong with desire, right? God's given us senses, taste, and sight, and hearing, good music, and feelings, and scent. Desire to drink, to, to, to work, to play, to build, to procreate. To achieve. It's okay to achieve and the desire to want to achieve. They're all natural to human beings. But what the world does is what? It takes these natural desires and puts them on steroids. Right? Am I preaching to the choir or can you relate to this? It perverts them. corrupts them, exaggerates them, so that they become unnatural. Lust is what? Stere- is desires on steroids. And the first one is the pursuit of pleasure. It's the sensual side of our nature. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. Right? For example, take sex, for example. Sex is a beautiful gift that God has given. And to experience the full, measure, full pleasure of it, God has given what? The relationship between a husband and a wife. In what? The context of marriage. This is the place to experience the fullness of of this gift. But the world scoffs at that. They laugh at Christians and think, oh my word, are you kidding me? There's got to be more, and there is more. Give yourself a little bit to what you see. What you can feel. Don't buy the lie. There's way more to experience than that limited context. The world takes the desire and twists it into something it was never meant to be. The second worldly desire is what to have. It's the lust of the eyes. It's material things, pursuit of possessions. Listen now, please hear me. 
There's nothing wrong with material things. I'm not saying that. Look at my nice clothes. Right? I mean, you're saying, well, you're a little out of style, but these are nice clothes. I think they are. I like nice things. I have a really nice motorcycle. I only rode it once this year. want to ride it more, but it's nice. I, I like that. I, be careful. I don't want to say I love it, right? No, I don't love my motorcycle. I just like it a lot. <laughs> Live in a nice house. It's a beautiful view. God provides the resources for material things. That's okay. The Bible never condemns anyone for having things. Listen. It's when we decide we have to have something. When we think our happiness or identity depends on it. And that thing becomes more important than God. Then we're what? Then we're in trouble. To do. I just called it the pursuit of prestige. John calls it the pride of life. I think it's the pursuit of success, achievement, recognition by man. Once again, listen, there's nothing wrong with taking pride and doing a good job, right? Feeling good when you achieve a milestone. God's placed within us. I, I hope that as Christians we know that we're to, to be excellent and to pursue excellence in all things because the testimony of Jesus is on the line, right? It's like we, we got to do our best. And give our best. It's when our success compels us that we have to feel a certain way because of things that we accomplish. And when we, have, we, we try to find our identity and worth and maybe even look down on others. We don't need people's approval. We already got the approval of the one that matters most, right? It's God. Is there one that you're struggling with here? Just pick one. Remember the warning? Desires on, on steroids are dangerous. Pick one. In closing... Why doesn't this work? Worldly desires. I mean, the world really is tempting. I mean, we've all given in. We've gotten the taste of the world, and sometimes it tastes pretty good. And it kind of like, whoa, it jolts us in a way like, wow, that was cool. I'd like more of that. But in the end, what happens? Leads to bondage.
Why doesn't it work? Because it doesn't have staying power. It's never enough. It doesn't last. It's too shallow. Friends, there's a greater pursuit. Amen? The only pursuit that gives life is the pursuit we have in loving God and knowing him. The Bible says, taste and see that what? The Lord is good. He is pleasurable beyond any pleasure that the earth can say, here, try it. It doesn't compare to our God, to relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to know him. Power of his resurrection, becoming like him in his death. So somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead, there's no greater delight than knowing Jesus. Oh, you're a preacher. You're paid to say that. I don't care if I'm paid to say it because I believe it. And I'm here to warn the church. Augustine said, the human heart was made for God and our hearts are restless. I mean, he lived a long time ago. Children, youth, young adults like Marshall, Sarah. Listen, the human heart was made for God, and our hearts are restless till we find our rest in Him. That's the truth. Quit chasing after things that can't satisfy the true longing of your heart. Stop. Don't live for the duct tape. It's not worth it. So there it is. We live like this is all there is. It, no, I'm not living for the duct tape anymore. I'm living for the rope. I want to give myself to that which is eternal. What you ask yourself often this week, what am I truly living for? What am I chasing after? What am I pursuing? There's no magic bullet. I'm not saying, oh, I got the magic bullet. Here, do this. I'm not saying that. There's no judgment in my heart. I can only check my own heart. I can be as worldly as anyone, more so. What do I really care about, Paul? The approval of man? I want to care about the rope. Living for the eternal. Not the duct tape. The temporal. Spend time with the Lord this week. Sit at his feet like Mary did and worship him. Pour out, pour out your love 
to him. Just do it. I don't know how to do it. Do it. Just get in the presence of the Lord. I just pour out your love. Say, Jesus, I love you. Father, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. Sit before the bonfire of the all-consuming fire of God. Let him burn away every passion except the passion to love and know him. Determine in your heart today. You can do this. I won't let anything crowd out my love for my father. I'm going to be vigilant. I'm going to ask myself questions. What do I really care about? God is a jealous God, right? Do you know that? It's his nature. He burns with jealous love. He will not share his glory with anyone or anything. No passions will come before God. He won't allow it. He just won't allow it because that's who he is. So, Lord, come and burn this word in our hearts today. so easy to be tempted by the enemy and to give in to buy the lie Jesus we want to love you in a greater way Holy Spirit just speak to the Holy Spirit talk to the Holy Spirit say Holy Spirit be the illuminating light in my heart. Go into every corner, every closet, every room. Burn away the lust. Show me what's competing for love. Take it away, God. If I got to go and find someone to help me, then do that. God, do a great work in our hearts this week. We pray this humbly. We pray this because we want to know you, Christ. And say like the Apostle Paul, I consider everything rubbish that I may gain Christ to be found in him. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.